Don't try and minimise the scar to, and compromise the outcome. Long scars with a great result uh, are not generally an issue, but small scars with a bad outcome are a big issue. My name's Kate and this is Keeping It Real, the podcast that's honest about scarring. Today we're going to talk about scarless surgery. Right up top you should know, if you plan on having cosmetic surgery with effective, impactful results, you're going to have scars. Instead, we'll discuss how we conceal scars, how to minimise them in recovery and which areas tend to heal the best. So today we're going to talk about scarless surgery. Not really, but <laughs> because I don't think we really have to do the dance. I think it's been expressed in our podcast, YouTube, everything, time and time again, impactful surgery will leave a scar. Um, but talking about how we kind of conceal them just because there is scars obviously doesn't mean that it has to be a prominent part of the results or even something for people to be concerned about. Um, so I thought maybe in terms of the operations we do just going through operation by operation mm -hmm. and the best ways that we conceal the scars and make them not this big scary monster that people might be worried about. Let's do it. All right. Go for it. So quick fast. Um, <laughs> what kind of techniques and placement do you use with a breast augmentation for scars? I imagine that's not one that scars are kind of a top concern for people. There are a number of different options for where you would put us. Uh, where you can put the scar, but we uniformly always put it in the inframammary fold. Um, there's a number of reasons for that. One, it's the best concealed. So the other options are on the across the areola um, armpit, which is really a, not a very useful technique. Uh, but in the inframammary fold, it's usually very it's hidden because it's under the the shadow of the breast, but it also gives you best access to the pocket. Um, and so helps give better control to that inframammary fold, gives you the ability to create an internal bra, um, and it's probably the most concealed of the scar. So if you were to get a scar in that position that wasn't ideal, it's still hidden underneath the fold of the breast, whereas if you've got an undesirable scar um, going across the areola, well, that's right in the front of the How breast. How do you do the areola one? Well, there's a few problems with it. One, as I just said, it's right across the front of the breast, but you need to then at some point go through the breast tissue. So you'd have to go through the skin and then cut through breast tissue right. to get down to the either subglandular or submuscular pocket. Um, so that's another sort of not ideal and thing And is it just like a, like a cut across the areola and then like... So people do like different things. <laughs> so... so, so, so the traditional one yeah. is to go um, circum areola. So you go, right. yeah, like a smiley face. Mm -hmm. um, you could do a sad face across the top if you wanted. <laughs> but, uh, but some people go like straight across. For an old man. Yeah, I've seen it done. Oh, um, straight across and then like a little mini smiling face down the bottom of the uh, nipple and then across. I, I've never done it because I think it's a stupid mm -hmm. technique. Mm -hmm. but and there's way higher risk of infection going that way because yeah. you're going through the breast ducts and glands and um, a lot higher chance of numbness of the areola as well because yeah. you are going through that area so that there's nerves coming in there. Right. And what about the armpit one? Is that So the armpit one 
So one of the most important things with the breast implant is that lower pole um, and the inframammary fold. Uh, and so you want to have as much control over that as possible. So if you make your incision there, well, logically that means you're going to have the most control there. Um, if you go through the armpit, you're the furthest away from like that. Like fully the yeah, armpit? Yeah, fully the armpit. Did you guys like across, like yeah, across. that way. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I've actually got a patient, I think, that's coming up for revision surgery that has a scar in her armpit um, from surgery overseas. The scar is actually amazing. Like, you'd think it's quite a conspicuous area, but it actually heals up fantastically well. But she's having revision surgery because yeah, her right. breast outcome is not fantastic because, as Richard was talking about, the inframammary fold, but also the cleavage. So by the time they've got from the armpit to the midline mm. so it can be over dissected or under dissected and it's done essentially blind mm. um and oh, i worked yeah. when i was training there was a surgeon the surgeon's and, blindfolded yeah. <laughs> might as well it's be, a special but. yeah like it's a long way to go and they to yeah um, like, when i was doing my training in sydney there was a surgeon that used that technique mm. a lot and um there was one patient that kept coming back because that actually punctured through the skin like at the because they can't really see what they're doing. And he would used to use a tool that's not even a breast surgery tool that's used often for urology. No. <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. a shoehorn. And we'd just be pushing and poking to try and make the space. Whereas when we make a space for an implant, because you've got a direct view, you can see exactly where you're going. So, yeah, this lady had to have stitches in her skin here from it. Cut in her armpit. The, the, and it ended up all bad and she ended up having the implant having to come out. And right. But the other the other thing is you're limited in the type of implant mm. that mm. you can put in because you're trying to make the scar really small and you're putting it in, as Kim said, from a distance. So there's there'd only be a certain size implant you could do. You definitely couldn't do a teardrop or anatomic implant because – but you, have no you would have no idea which way it would be. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was like, how do you – does it, it rotate, so I guess, a circle? Yeah. Commonly circle would use a saline implant with that periareola as well because right. it, it goes in empty, whereas for any patients that have been into the rooms and see us, like we'd show them implants say, this is how it comes. Like it's preformed. We don't inflate it and surgery. So they put it in empty. empty yeah, and then, and then you, like a little – roll it up like a cigar and then put it in and then blow it up. And like – That's not the dumbest incision though. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest incision oh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Through, is through the belly button. So um, there's a technique. You thought the armpit was far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, True story. Yeah, so um, I obviously I've never seen it, certainly never done it. Oh, I've never seen one at that. No. But you, people put it, an implant in through an incision in the belly button. Yeah, And again, crazy. you have to roll up this so it's like a little tube. You just like send it off like with a little letter being like, like yeah, a, good luck. Yeah, it's like, see ya. <laughs> Hope for the best. <laughs> And you've they've basically got to destroy the fold. Yes. And they're not able to recreate the fold. Timeline, so the implant could drop. Timeline-wise in terms of like techniques, yeah. were all of these pre- or post-inframammary folds? Like No, uh, inframammary folds been the – They've the, all been around for – They've all been around, but inframammary fault has always been. The most so these popular. people were just for no Is it, good oh, reason. You, we can give you a scarless operation, Kate. That's right. like, like you know, yeah. tiny lots of laparoscopic surgeries through the belly button. So you know, right. people would know that that is a very hidden scar for an operation. You're putting a camera into the belly. Perfect. Yeah. To put a breast implant through, not so good. That is fascinating. Yeah. So um, I think, I mean, I think the overall 
message of this podcast is going to be that um, do you, belly button surgery. Yeah, don't try and minimize the scar to, mm. and compromise the outcome. Um, so long scars with a great result uh, are not generally an issue, um, but small scars with a bad outcome um, mm. are a big issue. Mm. And to uh, and to fix any of those things, you basically need to put the scar in the fold anyway. So the the woman that's having her implants out that's got the armpit scar said, there's no way, I'm doing it that way, I'm doing it through your fold. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, no, <laughs> yeah. I and love I, the armpit. But, I mean, I think it is important to point out that any rev- generally, as a general rule, any revision breast surgery with a breast implant would almost uniformly be done through an inframammary fold incision. Mm-hmm. So um, you'd almost never, if you had, if you're faced with a patient who needed a, a removal or a replacement, or there's a, other, some sort of complication, virtually everyone would be forced to go through an inframammary fold right. incision. So, um, and given that at some point, most probably over fifty percent of women are going to have to have their implants replaced, you're going to eventually end up with that scar anyway. All right. Yeah. Reduction, breast reduction slash lift. No scars. well i think i did a facebook live actually in last year probably about breast reduction where yeah you you could have liposuction only to your breasts but Mm. um that is outcome is terrible because it's not reducing the skin it's not changing the shape at all and because the breast is essentially not fat it's mostly breast glandular tissue especially if it's large then you're not actually losing a lot in size and if anyone wants an interesting google search to do um, look up liposuction only breast reduction, and and there's surgeons out there that are proudly showing results on their websites. Not anymore. Good <laughs> results, <laughs> maybe not. I'm sure you can find some. And I just look at that and just go seriously. Like, if anything, you've made the tiniest amount of difference. Yeah. So, yes, breast reduction, breast lift. You absolutely end up with scars on your breast. There's no way to move the areola, lift the areola, lift the breast glandular tissue without having a scar around the outside of the nipple or the areola. Um, and then the way that almost uniformly Rich and I do our breast reductions would be to remove lower pole skin as well because that's where there's a lot of the extra tissue and a lot of the extra skin that's being stretched out. And so that um, ends up with patients having that, what we call that anchor-shaped scar or the inverted T. So that's, again... The scar that's in the fold, so in the inframammary fold, and then a vertical scar from that that joins up to that um, nipple areola complex with a circular scar around there. And as we've just talked about with the breast augmentation, the inframammary fold is a, a good place to have a scar. It's mm. not a bad scar, that one in the fold. And so for um, patients that are tossing up between what kind of, oh, do you do anchor or just lollipop or vertical scar, um, I think overall outcome that we're after is a good shape which we believe we get by removing that tissue and giving that extra scar but it's such a good scar because it's in the fold and pretty well hidden um yeah this is probably my favorite operation uh, talking about uh, scar versus outcome there's a decreasing number of surgeons who will still advocate for a lollipop scar um but it it uniformly gives a, a, a worse result. It's a bottomed out look. Um, there's And people who have had the surgery or, or investigate will know what I'm talking about when I talk about um, having breast tissue still sitting on the chest. 
Um, so you're just longer from the nipple to the fold because you're not reducing that that amount of skin and breast tissue, which Kim just uh, touched on. Um, and the downside is is the one scar in a breast reduction that you don't really see, which is the one in the inframammary fold. I've had two patients uh, in the last week or so where they have had a lollipop and they're still too full in the lower pole, which then makes the nipple look too high because there's too much breast tissue below it. So the breast, the nipple looks like it's sitting at the top of the top of the breast. And a common uh, problem is the nipple pokes out the top of um, a bikini or bra. Um, and, and sometimes people think that that means their nipple is too high. It's just, it's actually that there's too much breast tissue below. Right. Um, and then I had an, another patient who had had what's called a Benelli lift, which is where you do it's a dumb, like probably Stupid. the dumbest operation in, in, invented. I mean, Mr. Oh. Benelli, Mr. <laughs> Benelli, <laughs> RIP, is probably turning in his grave. But um, basically, they cut like a, a donut, or as I prefer to say, a bagel uh, around the areola. <laughs> Um, and and cut more out above the areola uh, than below, and somehow magically think when you stitch that together, that's going to lift the nipple. Um, and in in the patient I saw last week, uh, it, it doesn't move the nipple at all. Where did she have oh. that done in Melbourne? Yeah. Oh really? Oh, <laughs> or yeah, it, it doesn't lift the nipple. It's the scar stretches always. Yeah, and the areola, areola stretches. stretches. It's just so interesting when there's like proven works yeah. like I understand the need of like innovation and like moving yeah. past things but these every other alternative well the concept is wild. that you're going to get a scar that is around the areola which is the junction of two two um colored skin so it's 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 sort of camouflaged in that transition area anyway but as Kim just said it often ends up as a very stretched scar because you you're making a smaller cut and it, for those who are not watching the uh, video go go and watch the video on youtube you've got a smaller circle and then you've got a bigger circle and you're stitching the smaller circle into the bigger circle With and the so hope that it, the bigger one's going to stay the smaller yeah and there's all sorts of techniques where you can use permanent stretch. sutures and i mean i'm sure we'll kind of get into this later but the scars just always seem fine like mm. i understand that you know people are going to be worried about it and especially like you know if they're a lot younger when they have breast reduction and they might already be coming from a place where they feel so self-conscious mm. that like this is one more thing yeah. but it's like and I know we obviously don't post a whole heap of before and afters from like years down the track just because we don't see those patients as often yeah. but when they come in you're like yeah oh yeah I guess gone. you did have a breast reduction mm. like it's mm. so faint and I guess we most of our patients by the time they come and see us for a consult, they have looked at the website and looked at photos and listened mm. and watched all the things that we do. And so are conscious and aware that they are exchanging what they got for scars. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you if someone's not so informed and you're suddenly like, hey, this is going to be your operation, there's going to be all the scars on your breast, and they, then yeah. they're being like, oh, is there some way you can do less? And, yeah. you know, we, and we just – it's outcome based and we know what works. And so we're not going to be compromised in what we're offering to be like, oh, yeah, sure, we can mm. make up an operation or do something that's lesser because we absolutely know the outcome is 
going to be poorer. Yeah. Um. All right. Next one. Tummy tuck slash body lift. Mm. Well, the the key with both of those operations is to keep the scar as low as possible. Uh. Both. Uh. So you, so you want it to be hidden by un- underwear and bikinis. Uh. So it sits whereas for those of you who've had a Caesar scar, it would sit roughly where the Caesar scar ends. It uh, lies uh, at the top of the pubic hair um, and on the back sort of where your underwear, would, the top of your underwear would sit. So uh, out of clothes and out of bikinis, it's a scar that you can see. As you can see, all scars, as you were saying, they, they do fade over time. But the, the key is, and what we're always aiming to do, is to have the scar concealed uh, when you're in, in clothing and even bikinis. And, and even with a bodiless scar, which goes all the way around, um, most people after that can wear a two-piece bikini uh, and uh, the only scar that you would see is the one around the belly button because we recite the belly button. But that's generally a very good scar as well because it gets... Yeah, uh, I've mm, No, you hardly notice. And it often that. hides inside the belly button. Yeah. yeah. But the key, and I, you know, I mean, I said the breast reduction, vertical versus uh, anchor scar debate is is a favourite debate for me. But um, the mini tummy tuck also, so again, you know, having a shorter scar and compromising the result, um, and you know, I've, I think I've done a number of videos talking about sort of why we need to have a longer scar to get a good result. Um, but a longer scar with that's low with a superior result is better than a shorter scar with a, a minimal result. And I think we've spoken before about the fact that it used to be a vertical incision, wasn't it, for the tummy tuck, like a long time ago, and then it moved to vertical, I mean to horizontal? horizontal? I don't not? think so. There's but just always been the But something that, something that has yeah. evolved over time is that our scar, it's not quite flat, but it's mm-hmm. a slight little smiley face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes up slightly Miscus. at the ends. Um, whereas even when I was doing my training in the sort of um, mid OOs, a <laughs> <laughs> couple yeah. of years ago, um, uh, let's say 20 years ago, um, some of the teaching was still to put the middle part of the scar horizontal and then have the sides of it going up quite high. Mm. So if you imagine um, Olivia Newton-John and her, one of her 80s leotards with the really (laughs) high cut legs. So that was sort of um, common around then. There's still people doing that scar. And so – like the trend has changed a little bit in terms of clothing that people are wearing slightly more high waisted, but you know, when with hipster type and um, low uh, clothing, the top ends of that scar is very, very visible. Yeah, it's funny you're imagining like so, a whale tail, like yeah. So I say to patients now that we put the scar low and. Only if the trends change back to your high cut leotards yeah. will you see the bottom part of that scar. Also, we've talked about surgeries we do that are typically very good at for concealing specifically, which I think are the brachio and the blepharoplasty. Um, I was saying to you guys before we recently went into detail with that. So if you guys want to know about the blepharoplasty, um, especially we go into a lot of detail in last week's episode, um, but maybe just like a quick recap on those two, how we conceal them. Mm. Uh, so blepharoplasty scar, so that's 
eyelid surgery, so other upper or lower eyelid surgery, um, the upper eyelid scar is across sort of the middle of the eyelid so that if your eyes are closed you can um, and you looked really closely, you could see a fine line, but it is an excellent scar that when someone's chatting normally and if you're watching the video, you can, you know, as we blink, you blink for a very short period of time and it would be very difficult to see that scar. And then the lower eyelid scar is either right at the edge of the lower eyelid or in one of the skin creases below it. And again, a very, very good area for um, scars that are very well hidden. Brachioplasty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I think the traditional teaching, again, I'm, go to the video if, you, if you're not, uh, the traditional scar was sort of on the inner part of the arm, whereas um, we, we tend to run it down the back here. And the reason for that is this part of your arm, so the inner part of your arm for those who are not uh, watching the video, uh, the inner part of your arm when you're in normal conversation or you're sitting across the table from someone is something that people are going to see. Whereas a scar that's more along the back of the arm um, is not something that you, if you're sitting face to face with someone, that you would necessarily see. Um, there are other reasons also to put it more towards the back, which are more from um, a, a functional point of view in that there are less nerves and blood vessels and lymphatics in that area, so less likely to get um, complications um, that relate to those structures. Um, but that, that tends to be also a very, very good scar. Um, probably if you had to rank scars, I think breast – well, face scars are always the best because better blood supply and better quality skin. I'd say then breast. Uh, then closely behind that would be tummy. Um, and then arms – I think arms are maybe just below tummy. Would you rank yeah, them in that order? I, I think arms probably take longer to – get to Fade, a good maybe. point but i think they probably ultimately end up better than the tummy scar tummy scars sometimes a little bit more pigmented and particularly in that soup in the pubic area where there's hair and um they're just you know sometimes a little bit more irritated but hid hidden definitely easier to hide <laughs> than an arm scar yeah um i'm not sure on your list i was just thinking as we talk about arms about Thighs. Mm, um, I was just thinking about thighs. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Good scene. I was not thinking. <laughs> Rich's favourite operation. Um, so I do not uncommonly get asked if, um, if by a patient if they want a thigh reduction if the scar can't go right up in the groin crease. Mm. Um, so that's something that I never do. I and don't why know. don't you do that? <laughs> um, so it's one, you can't get out enough skin. Um, it's a long way, seemingly a long way away from where the excess skin is. And the scar never stays in that groin crease. So it either ends up pulling down the thigh because the skin is heavy and gravity, gravity always wins. wins. Um, it's also very, very close to the external genitalia. So if the tension is wrong on there, it can um, distort the labia. So no one... You end up with pubic hair on your inner thigh, <laughs> yeah. is what she's trying to say. No, that wasn't. That wasn't. But yeah, no, no, that's, I've, but I've also seen like that. yeah. Um, and so that the fifth thigh reduction, we would tend to make the scar longitudinal, like a seam on the inside of your jeans, for an example. Great example. Great example. <laughs> uh, thanks. Um, or uh, probably eight to 10 centimetres below where the groin crease is. Mm -hmm. And often patients, um, and if you have a look at 
um, results on our website and socials that um, if you look at the before, you'll kind of see in those patients, there's kind of like a lines of where the excess skin is. And it almost is saying like, you know, cut me out here. So that yeah. that's the line that the scar would end up in. And um, it's very like, Sure, you're going to see it if someone wears a bikini, but if they're wearing even short shorts or a short skirt, it's it's it is a very well hidden scar because it's still on the upper part of the thigh whilst not being right in the crease. Mm-hmm. Um, other surgeries which mm. maybe we don't do day to day or at all, um, <laughs> but I think pretty prime candidates for good scarring. I think a facelift mm. is Absolutely. a great one. How how does that go about? So um, there's a couple of different variations. So if you start from the from the top down, uh, some people will run in the hairline above the ear. Um, I don't do that because when you're pulling that skin back, it moves where the hairline is. So that's a sort I just of, every time we talk about facelifts, just think about the first time I learned that like the whole thing just like comes off and I <laughs> know um, oh I just can't. Sorry, go on. <laughs> so so I, I my preference is to put that scar. Um, right on the hairline because mm-hmm. then when you're pulling back, you're not moving the hairline. Right. It then runs to the top of the ear and then essentially sort of down the front of the ear, um, which um, heals unbelievably Can well. Just point to that to the camera, what you mean. So down mm. along, along here. And then it winds up below the earlobe and up behind the ear and then um, across into the hairline and then again down along the hairline. So when you say about the hair bit, yep. can you point yeah. so, right so it goes along here, along right. And what do people do that you don't like? They go up straight up here, oh. and so so this bit of hair is what gets cut out. Yeah. So, so that means your hairline so goes from here oh. to here. Go to the video, people. <laughs> um, it goes from here to here. So that's one of the right. telltale. So again, um, hidden scar because it's <clears throat> in the hairline, but you are ending up. Um, moving the hairline, which is more obvious than the scar. Okay, what a – oh, maybe like a nose job. Where do they put mm. – is that just in the – No. Well, sometimes. But traditionally Usually across the, the – <laughs> oh. it's called the columella, this bit of your nose, oh. and unbelievably well-hidden scar, and the yeah. rest of it is inside the nostrils. And because they do that and then they pull it up and then – peel off all the skin. Unlike in the old days where they used to just smash it. Well, some yeah. people probably still do that. Some people still well. do yeah. internal scars, but you don't have as much control. And other things in that area mm. like a lip lip lift, so mm. that can go across the bottom of the – where the lip joins the nose. Oh, okay. But, yeah, so face, like you said, is probably just one that has good scarring. Just the face, the, the skin of the face yeah, just right. traditionally heals very, very well. What would you say for people that are worried about scarring and surgeries? I think look at um, before and after photos. So look at uh, the surgery you're having and see if that scar is going to be acceptable to you. Bad scars are uncommon, but we can't guarantee. I mean, there's a certain um, uh, percentage of the outcome that's going to depend on where the scar is on your body. A certain percentage is based on um, technique and then a certain percentage is, is uh, genetics, yeah. so which you can't control. Um, and so you, you can do everything right but someone just makes bad scars. And if this is your first operation, well, you don't know how you scar. Uh, there's a, I mean, while we're on it, there is a common – people overcall keloid scar. Right. 
So keyless scar is actually quite uncommon. And what they're usually referring to is a hypertrophic scar, which is a thickened scar. Um, so a keloid scar is something very, very different. That's where a scar sort of spreads out like a tumour well beyond the... Did that girl that had a lot of keloid scarring, did she ever end up having surgery? Do you remember that one? And she came in and she it was like oh, not with everywhere. Me. No. Because, yeah, you were like, I can't get you a yeah. good result out of this. Yeah. Well, yeah, if someone is prone to keloid scarring, you're much... It's hard to recommend doing the surgery. But, again, it still depends on how bad the problem is. Like some mm. people would, would are willing to take that risk. But, yeah, I think you, you need to sort of see before and afters and see if that's going to be acceptable to you. I mean, it is hard because you can look at a photo, but you don't really know how you'll feel when the scar is actually on your body. Yeah, it's like when you see your friend and you're like, no, you look beautiful. And then yeah. you're like, I'm a monster. Yeah, but it's exceptionally uncommon to have a patient at four months that's kind of like not happy with their scar. Like mm. they're like they the outcome, which we've been talking about a lot today, is is so great, and the the improvements that they feel in terms of the weight off their shoulders, the improvement of their um, their core muscles, things like that. They're like you know, and the scar's getting better, and that's I knew what it would be like. It's fine. Yeah. It's gonna you know, it's my life, and that's. All good. Yeah. I would say most people, as Kim's just saying, is uh, when everything is healed and they've got their sort of towards the end of the uh, maturation of the scar, the overwhelming majority of patients would say the trade-off of the scar justifies the improvement. Yeah. And I like – I don't want to set people on false hopes <laughs> in case they do scar badly, but I think I – person was very shocked at how good the scars are like mm. when I see people down the track my like, god because like we obviously see a lot of like one week two week even three months yeah whatever when they're like pretty aggressive um and then you see them later and you're like oh god like mm. that is the faintest line but even then at one week like because the dressings when when they're on they look you know they're a bit bloody and they look mm. they make the scar look probably wider than what it is and we take the tapes off and they're often their partners in the room and they're mm. like oh my god like it's like mm. it's so much better than i thought it would be <laughs> even the you know the gory stuff at one week yeah. they're like oh it's so fine and neat what about if people come in and they're really worried about scars like that's something that they kind of talk to a lot is there does that impact into anything in terms of how you do the surgery or what you suggest well they yeah that like we as we've said for the operations that we do, we can't do scarless yeah. surgeries. So they the options are kind of accepting what we recommend as this is the scar that you're going to be left with to get you to the outcome you want versus not having surgery. Um, sure, we've got a post-surgery um, scar management program and that, you know, that probably helps – one to five percent maybe it's hard to know um as Richard said a lot of it is due to technique um patient factors um and where you're placing the scar so we you know we think we we control what we can control and a lot of it is it it will be what it will be but we're here for those patients with the hypertrophic scarring and the very 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 rare few that have keloid scarring um in more than 10 years and doing all of this type of surgery. I've had two patients with proper keloid scarring. Um, both had breast reduction and abdominoplasty. And 
um, there was a long period of timeline of managing those scars and both have had re-operations for steroid injections, re-operations and have gotten to a point where they're super happy and one of them in fact is then come back and had her arms and her thighs done with us now knowing that's the type of scars she makes and she was well aware that the outcome that I want is going to even if the scars are terrible I can accept that because I want these procedures and we manage them um, knowing that that's the kind of scar she makes and she she did She's done unbelievably well. And how so. did you manage that just in terms of expectations were managed? Or? Um, like early silicon mm-hmm. tape um, and gel and I, I didn't do anything different in the surgery. Mm-hmm. The same sutures, the same amount of sutures that I would normally do. I don't think that was the trigger. I think it was yeah. her skin type. Yeah. Um, and just seeing her more frequently and different, having different options up our sleeve early mm-hmm. to address it if they started to go bad. Right. What can people do if, this, you know, they're not happy with the scar? The number one thing is time, okay, as we've just sort of mentioned. The scar will mature over a year. Um, and and usually, I mean, sometimes you, you know, like, you've just got to do something. But, um, but that's more in the situation where there, there's been a problem with healing. So in the scenario where it's, the scar just isn't looking great, the most common thing would be is to wait. Mm-hmm. So you might wait for six months. Um, things that you can do in the interim would be taping and we use the silicon taping, as Kim just said. Um, the next step would then be usually a low-dose steroid injection, so we put local anaesthetic in and then some steroid. And you often need to repeat that a number of times, maybe two or three times. And that's really good for scars that are a bit thickened and particularly the ones that are symptomatic, so itchy, raised, red, things like that can help with that. Um, and then the the next thing would be is to cut the scar out and re-suture it. And you think, well, why would that make a difference? Because, well, that's what you did the first time. But the difference is it's not under as much tension. So when oh, you're doing, right. say, a tummy tuck or even a breast reduction, um, brachioplasty, all of those operations, facelift, the skin is under a degree of tension. And there are things we do to try and minimise the tension, but you can't totally take it out. But if you're cutting out a scar that is maybe two, three millimetres thick and then stitching that back together, there's completely different um, physics at, at stake. And so there's less tension and so a better environment for wound healing. So uh, that so time, taping, steroid and then re-excision would be the, the sort of sequence. What does um – what does the silicon tape actually do? Great question. No, 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 <laughs> no one, one actually knows. knows. <laughs> right. It's, it's thought the, probably the most important thing it does is pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we use a lot of micropore mm-hmm. tape for the same reason. There are theories about oxygen levels and rubbish. Yeah. But it definitely sort of – when you peel it off of someone that's had it on for mm. a few weeks, like the quality of the skin, it's sort of – it's almost a bit more moisturised for one. Yeah, yeah it's, hard. it's something about mm. that. Yeah, um, but for I would say ninety nine percent or more of our patients, of all the things that Richard has just mentioned, time is mm. time is the key um, for nearly everybody. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? 
we'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today, and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.